0: I have to say, right, you are Miss Jet Set, but today you are taking it to the extreme. I
1: know. <laughs> I Anna know. I'm uh...
0: <laughs> broadcasting and recording from the middle of nowhere. Like literally. She told me. <laughs> the middle of nowhere. And uh, she was pulled over a car to record this podcast. You are dedicated through and Ooh, through, my girl.
1: Hell yeah, man. We're not missing this for anything. I am outside <laughs> of some highway in upstate New York, just past Binghamton, but I don't know where, anyways, I, GPS knows where I am, Google Maps knows where I am, I mean, I know where I am roughly because I've done this drive a few times, anyways, coming back from New York City to Toronto, so excited, always love me myself a good canadian border crossing um went to my friend's wedding this this weekend it was a blast and i bowled oh. my freaking eyes out the from start to finish of the wedding from start to finish i do
0: think emotion weddings oh. are really emotional oh. even if you don't know the bride and groom very well like you know sometimes oh. you get you're a plus one and you go along and you don't really know them very well i still get emotional <laughs>
1: 100% I used to sing for weddings and I'd be bawling my eyes out at nearly complete strangers I love
0: it oh it's nice though it. it's that we do all, we do all believe in love really no matter you know, what we say it's
1: so crazy I'm such a romantic it's just wild yeah. but yeah such yeah. a cynic <laughs> yeah no it's wonderful. It
0: wonderful we can be a contradiction in turn that's absolutely fine there's nothing so wrong with true.
1: that you know what and it's yeah. so nice to have both things on our shoulder it's so true yeah
0: it provides some balance in life. You don't get too heady, too away with yourself. And you've got a bit of realism in there as well.
1: You've got it, Sarah. Preach.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Always. (laughs) Never. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Oh, the two magical words that Sarah and I talk about all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. So, uh, okay, so preaching
1: from another mountaintop, what's hanging out at the relationship desk of love?
0: I almost don't want to share this now after we've just talked about happiness and weddings, but I'm going to anyway because what I've got lined up. So
1: it's what we do. Yeah,
0: yeah. So here we go. So today I've got an article for you. I haven't done a little article for a while oh. around this subject, but eight powerful signs that you're settling for the wrong person. Oh. And you could do better. Oh.
1: Yes, alright, let's get into it
0: Alright <laughs> Hope
1: you're not ex- discovering this on the uh, wedding day at the altar That would be a bit of a Well, problem. no,
0: definitely not I think you kind of come to this realisation beforehand But I have to commend them on their um, bait-click um, heading Because I definitely <laughs> wanted to read it, right? I was like, yeah, I need to know this <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm with the wrong person <laughs> So, number one Your relationship only works in the future Oh! <gasps> soon as I read that I was like oh my god that is so true isn't it like how many times have you been in a relationship where you go yeah but when we've done such and such everything's gonna be amazing
1: oh my god
0: you're living in that never never land right
1: yes you're right just around the corner
0: Mm. yeah so that one I think definitely hit home
1: hell yeah
0: number two you accommodate instead of compromising
1: Aha a yeah. So this is all
0: about like do we meet in the middle? Are we shifting on both sides? Are we relating to each other? Or is it one-sided? Is it just are you just accommodating, tolerating?
1: Oh you've got it. We shake our heads mm. both of us.
0: I know. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Number three, it feels very hot and cold.
1: Hell yes. Yes, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> Oof. So it goes on yes. to say that really, realistically, 90% of the time you should be feeling quite good, like not kind of, not this up and down and this, you know. So if you think about the majority of the time that you spend together and your relationship as a whole, on the whole, you're like, in a pretty kind of good good place because it goes on to talk a bit about the, um, the five to one ratio that the oh. Gottmans um, came up with. So you need kind of five positive things to one negative and they've actually revised their own research and I think it's up to oh. something like eight to one now oh wow which would suggest you know that you're somewhere between sort of 80 and 90 percent of the time you've got to be in a good place
1: that's shocking for people who are used to drama cycles yeah yeah and there's a lot of us that is a lot of us that's me yeah. for sure yeah
0: Wow. so so yeah so a bit of a kind of I, go, I guess a, um you know a bit of a, rain, a check there am I which side of the of the zone am I on?
1: Absolutely.
0: Then we've got um, your friends and family don't see it. It does say take this with a pinch of salt. But this is all about the opinions that other people have. Mm. Now, I guess that's why it says take it with a pinch of salt because we've all been there where you've got the kind of Downton Thomas it'll never work and other people have got their own agenda. Maybe they don't want you to be in a relationship. Maybe uh. you're the kind of, you know, you're the their second wheel and they don't want to lose you so so I do think that one we do take with a pinch of salt however people never tell you that you were with the wrong person often until you've broken up and then they go yeah, never thought he was good enough for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I thought he was a bit of a tosser. <laughs> what
1: a bag of dicks that guy was. I knew it all along.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much
1: for telling
0: me. Is that yeah. vodka flowing? Oh,
1: tequila. Oh, tequila is the truth yeah. sir Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the hard stuff. Oh, um, the next one is, you'd leave if you knew you could do better. Oh, oh. Some hedging your one. bets going on there. You've got that's oh my a god. Definite sign of settling, right? If like,
1: fear is like, oh, I don't think I can do any better, and that's why I'm with them. Yeah. yeah. If fear is holding that's you back one. from leaving.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Check out your decision making criteria. Mm. Yep, you got it. And then we've got just a couple more to go. So um you don't have um compatible goals. So this is about when we're looking at those kind of lifelong goals, those milestone mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. are you compatible on those do you agree do you want to retire in you know out of mongolia and yeah fella wants to stay right close to his mother um oh, yeah, have you yeah. got different have you got different competing goals you're looking at kids you're looking at marriage you're looking at um houses finances all the stuff we don't want to talk about mm-hmm. um but if you do and they're different that could be a bit of an issue oh absolutely um, you're sliding and not deciding. I love this.
1: Oh, it's like the shitter get off the pot. You're trying to stroll yes. two sides of the fence. Yeah.
0: But it also talks about people who cohabit before they get married. And it says often they're more likely to end in divorce because you end up being locked in this cohabitation where it's easier to stay together than it is to separate because you've created this life together. Mm-hmm. And so you end up sliding into marriage instead of it being an actual choice. Again, we're going back totally. to choice. Am I, am I choosing this life or is this life choosing me? Yes.
1: Oh, you've got... I just talked to uh, a client for the first time and and they were... Uh, really resistant to getting married but they just signed a lease together they've been together a few years and and they're on the slide they can feel it well maybe it won't be so bad it's so that is the epitome of you're tolerating you're just settling 100 percent.
0: yes Yeah. yeah and then the final one my favorite your good tells you so
1: Oh, I didn't think that anything could beat the ones we've had before, because the first one was a gut punch, but this, oh.
0: The first one was, but I think the last one is always the case, we know what's right for us, we just don't want to admit it, because of all the other things that are causing the fear that's building up inside of us, that we think that we're not good enough to be anybody else, or we don't want to be alone, or whatever other kind of fear stories are running around your head. Oh, you've got it. So that's oh. the one we kinda know deep down. It's yeah. not the relationship for us, but we're not we're not ready to take the the leap of faith into the unknown.
1: I think that's the case. Oh, that my gosh, it's so funny because I was talking to the pastor over dinner, the rehearsal dinner, mm. on this weekend. What an amazing pastor. I think he needs to have a YouTube channel or a TikTok channel, because he is amazing <laughs> with lots of great advice. And he yeah. said he just married two people who they were on the slide. Right. And mm. hey, I think he actually told them like, I don't think you should get married. Cause he did some premarital <laughs> counseling with them. And they were like, well, we're getting married anyway. So are you going to do it or are you not? And you're like, he's like, well, if you're going to make a mistake, it might as well be me doing the, I, I mean, I'm as good as any to marry you. Um, but yeah. it was just so funny about how he will, he says, yeah, I sort of see couples and I kind of like, yeah, so this one's going to make it. No, That, that one's not going to make it, but it's a lot of people who are not following their gut and they just, Just kind of walk right on up to the altar. And it's okay. Some of us just need to make mistakes. You know, like some of us need to have our first marriage. Like, it's all, you know,
0: got to road test things in life.
1: (laughs) You got to road test things in life. Sometimes you got to learn mistakes the hard way uh, or learn Mm. lessons the hard way. But it is true that your gut, you could probably look back and be like, ah, my gut was always telling me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think often when we're in that situation as well, we kind of dismiss the gut as not kind of really knowing what it's on about. But yeah. well, they does not really know, like, that's just a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Everybody feels a bit uncertain before they get married or move in or whatever Oof. kind of position you're in. So I think it is easy to dismiss that kind of little voice inside of your head or that feeling in the pit of your stomach. So mm. I think it's easy. We can we can rationalize some of those thoughts away quite naturally.
1: You've got it. And to get out of a situation, to get out of a slide, it takes yeah. a lot of energy a lot of grief, a lot of diving into the unknown. Yeah, you know a you don't have privilege. any safety nets. Oh, a lot of courage. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes the harder choice is the right choice, but man, is it hard. Yeah. Easy. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: there you go. That's the love desk this week.
1: All right. Well, it's like 27 degrees outside this car, but it's already spicing up on this hot uh, podcast. So uh, I think I'm ready. It's even inside. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: Should we we do a Hot Topic then? Oh yes, let's go. Today's Hot Topic, is porn (laughs) normalised?
1: Oh my gosh, Um, yes and no, oh my gosh, where do we start? This is awesome. Okay
0: wow Uh, excellent I think um yeah this is probably the first time we've really touched upon porn I don't know if it's might have come up in some of the listeners questions but I don't think we've kind of chatted too much in depth about it um I think it's often one of those subjects that people don't talk about as well in relationships yeah it's kind of like if I don't know about it then it can't affect me I think it's often kind of a thought process that people have or maybe you've got one party that's Interested in it, and the other isn't, but they don't want to kind of discuss that. So I think it is often a a topic that's kind of off subject, isn't it? Mm. I don't know what your views would be.
1: Yeah, well, and and I have my views, and it's also sort of bringing up because I'm I'm audiobooking uh, Esther Perel's Mm. State of Affairs. I'm a huge fan of Esther Perel, Um, and and really like when we're trying to define monogamy and what fidelity means, and. Porn is watching, consuming, and masturbating to Mm. porn. Is that cheating? Is it not cheating? Uh, You know, and such a slippery slope. Um, Mm. From my side of things, I think that porn, porn is both normalized, which is great in terms of it not being a, like, stigmatized, but then also, yeah, when porn becomes a problem, we Mm. are not able to miss when it becomes a problem for folks and when it gets in the way of them having healthy sexual healthy sexual intimacy with uh, a live human partner. So Mm. um, I think it's both normalized at over normalized and not normalized enough. And it, 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 yeah, I I wonder sometimes if maybe we had sort of a healthier view, like, like uh, Europeans would, I I don't know if maybe there's this Victorian sanctimonious moralistic thing in, in America, which is, there's a lot of shame so there's a ton of porn and porn is essentially like the hotbed of porn production is here in, is in, the, is in America. But yet the most shame and cover up and uh, denial is also in America. Hmm. So what about the European context? If you would comment upon what well, you're able to say.
0: I don't know. I can't really comment because I don't really think I'm a kind of expert in this, in this arena. But one thing I do know is if we look at it from a scientific point of view, so I think you've got a few things at play. So one is about um, ethical production. So that mm-hmm. to me is something mm-hmm. that we, um, and as you get more and more, as people have more and more access to it, there becomes more and more um, desire for things that are then even more extreme. Mm-hmm. So there's a few things in that for me. Are we producing it in an ethical way where there's... Um, you know where people are consenting that you know they're doing this of their own free will Mm -hmm. um there's also the issue then around kind of what what normal sex is like so Mm -hmm. are we displaying something that actually you know the majority of human beings wouldn't take part in couldn't physically take part in Mm -hmm. is impossible um so we're, we're producing um images and and video that isn't that just is never going to be achieved Mm -hmm. but we're saying that actually that's that's what healthy sex looks like Mm -hmm. um so there's that side of it i think for me the other side of it is then the scientific side about what happens to the brain as we watch porn Mm -hmm. so you start to create these different neural pathways and then the brain kind of shoots out the chemical um dopamine which then kind of is a you know a natural kind of high and then the brain starts to look for more and more of that because it really likes it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually kind of, um, it's renewing its own reward system to look for more and more of it. And then we start over time to become addicted to that. And anything outside of that, any pleasure that we seek outside of that doesn't produce that same hit. Mm-hmm. Therefore, doesn't satisfy any kind of urge or need. But that's all you're going to get in the kind of, in the real world Mm -hmm. because what you're seeing isn't isn't reality and it isn't necessarily something that can be reproduced in the bedroom Mm -hmm. so i think there's a few things here that um and and that's i guess as we've got more and more access to these things as we've got kind of the internet over time and um and lots of other kind of more sordid ways of of accessing this information Mm -hmm. i think it just opens it all up to a a kind of a different way of life and as and we've got to ethically kind of think about how do we how do we approach that
1: right
0: and I think so there's there's the kind of two real strong things for me one is what are we doing and and is it right and then the second is how are we depicting things in is that message that we're sharing with other you know often kind of young males Mm -hmm. um but not limited to that um I see a lot of middle-aged men's partners who are complaining about their, their their husband or their partner being addicted to porn mm-hmm. because we're creating this situation that means we can never be satisfied in the normal arena and that yeah. isn't right either so is it normalized I think I think it is normalized because we've got easier access to it mm-hmm. um is that right I would say I don't think it is mm-hmm.
1: yeah no I, I and I completely agree with you and I definitely coach around folks who cannot Um, engage in a healthy fashion. I've had people say, I want to be able to be intimate with my partner in a healthier way. Um, Maybe their libido is off maybe. And I have interacted with folks whose threshold for violent porn, for example, increasingly Mm. more violent porn is actually making it so that, yeah. Yeah. And very much like using drugs that you need to have more and more and more of a dose to be able to like actually, get off to reach that same level yeah
0: Yeah. it provides the same kind of numbing effects that that it does when we take other substances like that
1: yeah yeah totally which means then when
0: you come back to your normal real world then nothing kind of feels the same it's nothing's giving you that kind of level of kind of instant satisfaction in the moment that you would get get from that activity because it's creating a whole the brain's plastic right and we're creating connections all of the time by the things that we do and when we repeat certain um, patterns of behavior like watching porn where all we're doing is making that channel even deeper making that connection even stronger mm-hmm. and we're eradicating some of those other connections that we had previously right it's a bit yeah. like laying a road on top of another road eventually you lose yeah. sight of what the original path was and i've yeah. got no idea how to get a from a to b anymore because i only know this other route Yes. which is is only available at certain times of the day when there's nobody else around or yeah. you know I've got an internet yeah. connection <laughs> that and that that to me is not right
1: yeah no you're right and it hurts and it hurts it hurts people that we coach mm. um i think a, a great question would be um the what i noticed that, it, that so porn comes up what's interesting is i don't think that is normalized though because you know I have coached people who bring up porn as if it's a real taboo thing. Like in 2022, I'm like, why, why are we making such like, why would you think that would surprise me? And, and just that shame, but then Mm. also digging deeper. So porn, like, like alcohol will usually come up on a coaching call or in the physician's office, right? They'll mention the alcohol. And I'm like, yep, just put a pin in that they're mentioning it. So there's, they're highlighting it and they mention it again. They mention it again. And then you start to sort of ask, hey, you know, so you've mentioned this, like, what is your relationship to porn? Are you concerned about your use of porn or are you concerned that it's cutting you off from healthy human relationships? And that's usually if you dig into that, that would be the definition of um, dysfunction for a working definition for me as a coach is. And that can sometimes actually highlight where folks do need to actually do some deeper therapy, Um, Mm. because when we think about porn addiction, that's when, just like you say, like it, there is a deeper process of recovery. Absence, probably absence-based. Yeah, there's some, reverse, yeah. Yeah.
0: There's some yeah. reverse work to be done, but it is possible. I think the difference I'm seeing isn't normalized. I, for me, is that there is just an easy access to it, and I think um, there's this view that oh well, it's just porn, and um, it doesn't really matter or just mean anything because everybody's everybody's watching it. Mm-hmm. And I think as soon as you start to get into that realm, because it, like any sort of any addiction, we don't know that we're kind of in the in the quicksand until we're in it mm-hmm. and then we can't get back out again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the same the same situation applies here. That's why I would say it is more normalized because people kind of say, well, ev- everybody's watching it or it's easily available. It's not the same as it was where it was on the kind of top shelf. You couldn't access it or mm-hmm. to nick it from your brother's uncle's garage shed or something
1: <laughs> yeah such a difference when porn was just on paper uh, as opposed mm. to now being ubiquitously available um on our phones yeah. yeah yeah it's crazy yeah 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 no that's it's it's a good thing to to sort of bring about you know normalized for me is just destigmatized. I I can't do anything like as a Canadian we can't we we have increasingly more progressive thoughts about how to deal with addiction, which usually comes from past trauma, childhood trauma, and a whole bunch of stuff, right? Whether that be drug addiction or, or, or that decriminalization Mm. and destigmatization are this are, are number one because you, you cannot access recovery in the shadows and in shame. So Mm. normalizing meaning just, you know, destigmatizing, if if mm. that that's really important for me but then also correct not brushing over some a problem that's actually pathologic in somebody's life for sure yeah yeah very good I'm glad we I'm glad we um we burst the bubble or we broke the seal in terms of porn that's great I can't believe it took us <laughs> two years
0: <laughs> yeah I'm pretty sure it has but yeah yeah well might have touched on a question yeah Yeah. So speaking of questions, would you like one?
1: Yes, please.
0: (laughs) Okay. Different question this week. My mum invades my privacy all of the time, moving my stuff around and has lost a few really important things.
1: That's it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. Who is this person?
0: (laughs) I know. Well, my, oh my first gosh. question is, how old is the listener?
1: <laughs> I know. <gasps> this is a different defi- question, right?
0: Well, there's an g- age thing on this for me, right? Yeah. If you're 38, get your own house. <laughs> yeah. Then <laughs> your mum can't move your shit around. <gasps> totally. Well, maybe, I'm assuming actually that live together. Maybe they don't. Maybe the mum just comes in. Oh, my gosh. You have some mums, right, that come in and tidy up and coming from a place of positive intention so I'm gonna help out and I'm gonna tidy things away and I'm gonna help to keep the house straight but then you lose loads of shit along the way that maybe you thought wasn't important you put it in the bin so that could be a possibility but yeah if they're living under the same roof and um I'm gonna say if you're above the age of 30 you should definitely have left by now
1: well and that's really funny because I'm all I'm, I'm saying, well, what about the returnees, like the college, kind of like the millennial kind of bounce back, boomerang, you know.
0: Yeah, but what, when do they finish college on, on your side of the water? Because it's like 21 here. Yeah,
1: 22,
0: yeah. Yeah, right, okay. So similar sort of timescale, right? But between the age of 21, 22 and 28, 30, you've got a bit of time to get your life sorted, truly. I
1: mean, my question is, like, if your mom is, like, interfering with your stuff and losing Mm. stuff and having boundary issues even at 22 my question would be okay what are we talking about in terms of living situation like what kind of arrangement has been made where nothing has been Mm. spoken in terms of you know you may be for example living in your parents house Mm. but do they have full 24-hour access to your stuff and that's no but that sounds like there's been silence on the boundary front
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's been no boundaries set whatsoever at all. Yeah. There's been no discussion, I don't think. Yeah. Listening to that question. There's been it's <laughs> yeah. just a whole whole um state of frustration building up. I know. But actually nothing done. So like, you know, my first thing would be, have you had a chat with your mum? Like yeah. just to raise kind of where you're at in the nicest possible way. But mm-hmm. um maybe there is a bit of kind of complication there because they're living under the same roof and kind of feel well I can't raise it because it's not my house or yeah. I don't know it becomes really challenging like my daughter is going to be um she's going to be 19 tomorrow I oh, actually can't believe it happy
1: bir- it's not just happy birthday uh, but happy happy birthing your firstborn 19 years I ago know. oh like, yeah wow.
0: wow so probably this time last year I was probably in labor because I was in labor <gasps> forever and a day so oh. so it's kind of you know and I, when I was thinking about this question before we came on, I thought about how, you know, the kids do grow up and they get to a certain age. We always had kind of quite an open door policy in the house where like anything goes. But then they start to get to an age where actually they don't want to see you naked yeah. or stepping out of the shower or sitting on the toilet. Um <laughs> So that kind of, you know, they naturally kind of move to a more kind of closed door policy. Uh But you don't necessarily kind of discuss it, I guess. They might say the odd comment, like, you know, don't walk in or I'm, you know, get out, I'm busy doing something. (laughs) Um, So you kind of reach a natural level where you say, okay, I'm not going to kind of interfere. But we haven't. I mean, my daughter's 19 and yeah, she comes home now periodically, but we haven't set any kind of rules about whether. She goes in, you know, whether I go on her stuff or quite often she goes on my stuff. I'll find out something's oh, disappeared and gone God. to university with her. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. so there is that whole thing, isn't there, about um boundary setting and having a, a conversation about, you know, what is and isn't allowed. What what are we okay with? What are we what do we accept? What do we compromise on? What do so we not? True. Sounds um, like a roommate
1: agreement, right? Like you go into I don't know about you, but if you've signed like roommate, like if you've been subletting somebody's place and they'll actually draft a contract mm. about like, this is your shared stuff in the kitchen and these drawers are, are, you know, don't touch. These are for, you know, yeah. and that, that it's so funny. Cause we'd never think to do that with parent and kid, but that's yeah. actually essential. Yeah. So where do you start from no boundaries to like, where would you start with this person?
0: I'd start with this stuff that's gone missing right because it gives you a bit of context doesn't it to build a conversation around rather than going straight in for the kill like can you stop moving my shit around (laughs) so (laughs) because I do think you know if we if we come from a place of there's always positive intention behind people's actions Mm -hmm. and I recognize there are certain situations where that wouldn't be true on the whole If we say this, you know, as human beings, we're full of positive intention, but we just sometimes accidentally get it wrong. So the mum, I would say, is is trying to help. So I think we start from that position of thinking about, okay, what is it that my mum's doing? That you know, why is it that she's trying to help me in this situation? And and it's probably thinking, right, okay, my son's short of time. I've got a bit extra time, or you know, I, I'm just more used to kind of doing this sort of stuff and I'm a bit more organized than, than he is, so um, I'm going to help him out, right? So if we right. think about it from that place and then we think about, okay, what's the end goal? What do I want to achieve? Mm-hmm. And then we start to build a conversation off the back of that. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So it's about saying something like... um oh god you know you know last Tuesday when you went into kind of my room and you did some tidying for me I thought that was really lovely because when I came home it was I could tell that you'd been in and I could tell that it kind of looked a bit different I could really tell that you were trying to help me out there's just a little problem that I've got because I had these really important insurance documents and and now I can't seem to find them and I did have I know it might not look like it but I did have a bit of a filing system going on Mm. and um, and I knew how to place my hands straight on them and now I need them and I I don't know where they are Um, so did you happen to see anything when you were tidying up so it gives you a kind of uh, non-confrontational way of starting the conversation and you're recognizing that actually your mum's done something really nice for you But you're not kind of laying down the law and going in there full guns blazing.
1: Oh, and that feels that sounds great that it's almost like that that sort of criticism sandwich that I use for lack of a better term that I that we've learned and maybe we're refining that a bit is just start with something positive, introduce something that could be improved upon and then finish off with a bit of gratitude and positivity. also known as the shit sandwich
0: though oh the shit sandwich yeah that's so true
1: oh my gosh that's awesome
0: i think we have to be careful of the shit sandwich because um it can come across as a bit unauthentic so i think it is about kind of yeah just being really kind of true about the situation it's about you know we talked before about over dramatizing things so let's not get caught up in the drama wheel let's stick to the context of what's happened and and kind of start with that, like start with, this is what I can, you know, this is what I imagine. This is why I imagine that you've done it. Um, kind of what do you, what do you think? What was your intention?
1: Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. It's so, yeah, actually nice that you distinguish. It's not a shit sandwich. Not the same yeah. thing. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah. We live at the mercy of situations and circumstances that we have created because we never spoke up for ourselves. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But we just feel awkward about stuff, don't we? We do. As human beings, we're just, we're generally quite awkward about a lot of stuff. (laughs) we're so awkward.
1: And and it's, uh, and again, because it makes, you know, this C word that we use, this communication, right? I give you a big pass. I'm still learning to communicate. It's shocking the things that I try to fumble along in the dark with, with a blindfold over my eyes. Like I, you know, 43 and still, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, the craziest thing is I reckon a lot of us must get to sort of, 70 80 and we kind of feel like we've just mastered communication oh yeah totally and speaking up for ourselves and then know. you know you're on the you're on the downward um downward slide after that
1: uh, absolutely <laughs> i'd like to get to the down da- I, I, yeah i'd like to get to some mastery of communication without being on the downward slide
0: That'd yeah great. me too let's yeah. let's aim for that
1: let's aim for that 50 <laughs> yeah. how's that
0: yeah. yeah if we're so yeah if we're it's so um lucky
1: yeah exactly exactly Oh, Sarah, this has been like super thought provoking on my journey because now I've got another five hours of driving and uh, man, I've got a lot to think about.
0: Which is you great. have got a lot to think about, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of um, back episodes you could listen to as well.
1: Oh, that's true. It's so true. If you
0: feel like you need to um, pick me up.
1: You know, it's so funny because my Just dude...
0: read the back catalogue. Right,
1: the back catalogue, yeah. My dude, he said something about the nude beach segmentation and I was like, Will you listen to our podcast? What? I know. I was like, oh shit, I thought he was listening. Stop the press. Two years I thought he was not listening at all. I know. Oh
0: my so, God, well... I tell you what, if he's hit the nude beach and he started at the beginning, he must have been following all along.
1: Uh, you know, it, it's very possible. And I think, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I was not censoring myself. But what I did learn yeah, you through de- his You definitely
0: need to listen to the back
1: catalog. <laughs> I need to go to the back catalog and be like... Oh crap. What have I revealed? Um, yeah, no, poor, our poor partners. Um, but interestingly, what he did say, and this is a testament to Sarah because she does all these amazing taglines. He will actually go through the podcast descriptions. And if he thinks, and because they're so well tagged and described and, and the titles are just so on point is that if he fancies something, he'll pick it out and he'll listen to it. So just, if you're going through our back catalog, just take a look at our title, our titles and descriptions, which are Sarah's Mastery. Uh, it'll tell you whether that's an episode you need to dive on into. <laughs> yeah.
0: So as soon as he hit Anna on nude beach, that was it. He that's was it. it.
1: He was like, "What the fuck is going on?" He's like,
0: "What is she doing up there in I Canada? Know.
1: <laughs> Toronto? First they decriminalized marijuana, and then actually legalized. What am I saying? And now there's nude beaches everywhere. Like, what's going on up there? What's yeah. next?
0: Oh, he's tracking you, Bill. I know. Tracking you. I know. Now there's porn legal,
1: <laughs> porn normalization. Like. Canada. Oh, he's going
0: to be all over this one. <laughs> oh, you've got it.
1: <laughs> totally. And hope our listeners are too. Yes. Well, yes.
0: <laughs> nice. Oh, well, as ever, it was a pleasure recording with you. And, a pleasure. Um, yeah. You need to hit the road, love. You've got a long drive ahead of you.
1: I do. I do. I'm going to get my coffee cup tanked up, my gas tank cap. Uh, ca- uh, ca- uh, you know what I'm saying I can't even talk anymore oh my gosh wait am I in a, any situation any any state to drive home
0: yes I am Need five minutes bit of fresh air a bit of fresh air
1: you've got it and then some good tunes good podcasts, backstories yeah.
0: yes you've got it yeah oh, well, sounds I, good yeah well you should get home about now which is about six-ish because you're five hours behind it, me right now
1: you've got it you've got it I'll, jo- I'll join you for yeah. a drink love
0: you're home in time for tea, it's all good. Oh,
1: you've got it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> ah.
0: Well, safe travels, and um, yeah, and I will speak to you um, next week.
1: We'll see you on the other side, on the other
0: side yeah. of the border. <laughs> all right, till next, next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting